0: Hey there, welcome to the Church Media Podcast.
1: The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid
0: media productions in your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications. Show notes for this episode and all archive
1: episodes of the show are available online now. For the 1230 Watch. Media. And
0: now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach Carl Barnhill. Hey everybody, welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I
2: hope you're having a great week. I'm Carl Barnhill, your host. Thank you so much for listening. Fun episode this week as I welcome back my friend Luke McElroy to the show. Luke runs Orange Thread Media and is the author of the recent book, environmental projection, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the show. I also welcome Nick Rivero. Nick is the experience director at Salt Conferences. He has toured as a video engineer and director with Mumford & Sons, Lady Annabellum, Hillsong United, Chris Tomlin, and the list goes on. He also runs a video production company called Meptic. I talked to these guys about SALT, an annual conference for church creatives and media junkies like you and me. I'll be there in a few weeks, and I hope you'll get to make it too. For tickets, if they're not sold out already, are available at saltnashville.com, and Luke and Nick are going to give us a sneak peek of what's to come in a couple of weeks. You'll hear my full interview with the boys after this week's church media resource of the week. Hit
0: it. <laughs> And now, your Church Media Resource of the Week.
1: Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry.
3: Hey there, this is James Wassum with another Church Media Resource of the Week. And today we're going to talk about audio apps that can help you and your sound team learn more about sound and even measure some of the things that are going on in your sanctuary. So there's a few different apps out there and we'll focus on those that allow you to check the SPL levels uh, or the sound pressure levels in your sanctuary. And these are very useful for keeping track of the overall volume, to make sure you're within a safe level and to also make sure you're meeting the needs that are set by the leadership at your church uh, for the overall worship sound levels. One of my favorite SPL meter apps is from Studio 6 Digital, and it looks very similar to uh, some of the analog meters you'd see like from a Radio Shack meter, but it's got some great settings on it. Uh, you can select A or C waiting, slow or fast response, and it gives you a very convenient readout, and that's pretty accurate. There's another one from Octave SPL plus RTA, and that has the SPL meter along with a real time analyzer for analyzing frequencies. There's also a digital SPL meter by BAFX and the Dr. Meter MS10. If you're into more of the physical meter and you want a dedicated device to set by the console, again, for a dedicated device, that's the BAFX or the Dr. Meter. MS10, and you can find those on Amazon.com. And of course, the Great Church Sound mobile app includes an SPL meter and a real time analyzer that you can use to check the levels and frequencies of your sound. And I've even got a practice digital mixer uh, so you can experiment with different things like EQ, reverb, and levels. And there are a lot of other cool tips and tricks in the app that allow you to learn more about sound and discover
0: how to get great sound at your church. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, honored to welcome by phone my friend
2: Luke McElroy back to the show, along with Nick Rivero. Luke and Nick are responsible for bringing SALT conferences to life. If you're unaware of SALT, buckle up. We're going to tell you all about it in this interview and a whole lot more. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, thanks. Okay, SALT is just a few weeks away. This year's conference is going to be a blast. So for those late to the party, tell us a little bit about what it is, how we can get tickets, give us a little overview.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, SALT Conference, basically, we call it the Creative Arts Conference. But really, Carl, it's just sort of um, our whole heartbeat is we want to see creatives, technicians, those who work with media and tell stories and design and build websites and craft atmospheres for Sunday morning, we want them to sort of realize their potential in their community, potential on their staff, potential in their volunteer teams, whatever that may be, and and really the sort of conference birthed out of this desire to help all those who work in these creative arts. To sort of see their influence see the potential of what god's gifted them with with the calling they've put on their lives and and so over the course of the you know week we'll get a chance to um hear from some incredible speakers and go to incredible workshops and really sort of increase their creative potential and learn new skills but we'll also get a chance to just connect with the community and learn what are other churches doing i feel like that's like the common thing we're seeing i mean you're seeing it in like facebook groups and people want to share the ideas they're learning and we really do believe that um, this whole creative arts community is better in community and better with each other. And so we kind of lock arms with everybody, allow them to network and share ideas and learn from others. And then, of course, I mean, it probably goes without saying, but Nashville is quite possibly the most creative and best city in the world. So Nick may differ at certain times. But, <laughs> uh, but you just get a chance to get away with your team or getting away by yourself and getting with God for a while. I and mean, we have some incredible worship some of the best communicators in the church as far as creativity is concerned. And um, yeah, it's just going to be a great time, man. Yeah. October 12th through 14th, only a few weeks away.
2: So. Now, this is year number four. So uh, you guys have had to kind of three years to kind of get in a groove. What's different this year?
4: Well, that's a great question. Um, and I'll let Nick maybe talk a little bit about some of the changes specifically, but I'll kind of give the big, big picture, and that is, we When we started off, Carl, we, we really felt like God gave us four core values that creative art should be in the church. And those four values, we've basically lived out every single theme of the conference for the last four years or three years. And so this year is sort of the conclusion of those four, that four-year story, if you will. And those four themes are just that we believe, first and foremost, creativity should be contagious. It should move people to think differently, see Jesus clear, or have a better chance to sort of hang their hat on the spiritual or theological or doctrinal truth. And we feel like creativity has an ability to do that and create sort of some concreteness around some really complex or big picture topics. Um, I mean, we've all been in those environments where creativity allows us to sort of see things differently or whatever. But we just feel like if it's not contagious, it's just noise. And culture does not need any more noise. And I think everybody listening to this probably agrees with that. But Our whole heartbeat, our whole passion behind Contagious is that we would become contagious followers of Jesus Christ, and the art and the media that we would create would come out of that. So that was year one. And then we talked about collaboration, this idea that creativity has to operate in the context of a teamwork, and that even the Lone Ranger had (laughs) Tonto. And that with your volunteers and with your worship leader, with your tech guy or with your creative guy or, you know, pastoral team. Um, it's teamwork. These things kind of have to work together, and we studied the life of Nehemiah. We looked at what the role of cupbearers, as we feel like creatives are in the church, as they sort of set the table metaphorically. That was year two, and then last year we really dove into this idea that creativity and creative art should be unique, that we shouldn't just go and compare and and copy everything out there. And so we kind of started saying, like, stop copying, start creating. Stop comparing, start creating. Like, God gave each and every one of you unique gifts Unique talents, and as you as you step into the totality of who God made you to be, your your opportunity to be creative and impact your community will increase because He called you that community. You're not Bill Hybels, so your church is not going to look like Little Creek. So let's stop sort of comparing ourselves to Little Creek, basically. And so that was all last year that you know you were made unique to go and reach a unique part of the world. So let's sort of step into that confidence. And this year, um, we're, we're stepping into the, probably the toughest of all of them, and that is excellence, that we believe creativity should be the best. We believe that um, God gave us gifts so that we can give them back to the world and that as we represent God in the world, it should be the best. And so what does that look like? What does excellence and creativity look like? We're going to be looking at that. How do we wrestle with that sort of fear of creating? How do we wrestle with um, sort of the tension of like, well, I don't have all the best tools. That's Okay excellence can still be made with, you know, tools that aren't necessarily the highest-end, boutique, you know, artisan tools. Um, and so that's what I think is really exciting. Nick, I'll let you kind of talk about specifically what is different as far as the conference goes. But
2: Yeah, Nick, what are you excited about this year?
4: Oh, gosh, I'm excited about
5: a lot of things this year. And like Luke said, it's really been fun to explore from a creative and technical standpoint and kind of my world is these different topics and these different areas of what we believe and actually make that pertain to visually what we do in production and what we do. And so this year, excellence is a really uh, kind of interesting idea to approach from a technical and design and creative and experience standpoint, but it's also really exciting. And so we have some really neat things planned with just some really cool art pieces I can't give away yet that we've got planned into what we're doing, and then some really exciting things just in our main production that we're really just trying to we're trying to take excellence in everything we do and everything we touch, but we're also trying to see excellence in um, just in our show and how we present the show and how we've kind of refined our main production. And those kind of things, we've really thought a lot this year about that. And just how do we craft an excellent experience, which is easier said than done. But, you know, in terms of content, one of the things I'm really excited about this year is, from a main stage standpoint, something we've kind of wanted to all do for a while is we're actually doing a panel in one of our main sessions that's really exciting. But we've brought in some just really awesome people that we're really excited about to basically just talk about um, kind of creativity in the Church and the future of creativity and how it impacts the Church. And we have people like uh, Clay Scroggins, the lead pastor of North Point. Yeah. We have Jason Diva who's creative pastor at Passion, um, Jason Leitz from Saddleback, Sarah Starnberg who works at the United Bible Society, and a guy named Cole Smith from City Church mm-hmm. in Orlando. So just some it's something I'm really excited about that we're just going to be able to have these uh, people from different walks, different areas uh different parts of the world even to kind of talk about what what really matters with excellence, with creativity, with art, with the things we do, and where's it going, and we're really going to explore that and so i'm I'm really excited to see that this year.
2: Now, Luke, you started this thing a few years ago. Uh, we were talking about this last time you were you were on with me. But give me a little uh, vision. How did SALT start? Where did the name come from? That sort of thing.
4: Yeah, well, it basically started as a conversation um, with four people, Nick being one of those. Three of those are still on our team and uh, today, which is pretty crazy. But basically, it was just this sort of prompting that God gave us that just said, hey, it's time to build a conference to help those who don't understand their influence in the world, to help them understand and harness their influence. And, of course, we're talking about creatives. You know, We're talking about those who deal with technology and media, art, storytelling, all that. Um, and it started in a coffee shop here in Nashville, and we just asked the question, is this really the right time for this? Is this really something God's pressing on our hearts? And we all just felt 100% convinced of it. And we just sort of t- took a step of faith. And as we started walking, we didn't have a name at the time, and we started walking towards this. I mean, it's just a crazy story, Carl, because we started walking towards, we didn't have a name, we didn't have dates, we didn't have a venue, we didn't have anything. And uh, over the next several months, he sort of started laying all that out. We actually had, I think we originally called it just the Visual Worship Conference, right?
5: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, I mean, we started asking speakers, Carl, before we had a name, and we were just trusting, like, God, we're going to walk in this, and we're just going to start putting some details together. I'll never forget the, one of the first real meetings we had. I think the whole team thought we were just going to get together and sort of just pray and seek, you know, some timelines. And, of course, we walked out with, like, a whole schedule and three-day event concept. And, I mean, we, we, we kind of came out guns blazing, but we still didn't have a name. And one night, God just placed on my heart this. I remember it was at, like, one in the morning. I texted the whole group. I was like, I think this is it. And we started talking about it and processing it. We just felt like it was right. And that was the name salt. And for us, Carl, salt's just a, a reminder of the role visuals and creativity play in our worship environments and in our churches. And if you think about it, salt has no nutritional value. I mean, you can't just eat a plate of salt. And I think we all agree, everyone listening to this, that technology by itself does not save lives, does not reach the world for the sake of the gospel, does not add, quote, nutritional value to our communities. Um. I mean, if we want to do that, let's just give it over to the Taylor Swifts, Justin Timberlakes of the world, because they do a great job entertaining. <laughs> let's give it over to Hollywood, right? Like they do a great job of just using great stories to sort of captivate us. And so for us, we feel like salt is that thing that gets added to the most nutritional pieces of our Sunday expression: the gospel, the message, worship, liturgies, scripture readings, whatever that may be, prayers. And so we believe that that technology and media and art are these sort of things we sprinkle over this to make the sort of nutritional values way more palatable. And that may be a weird thing to sort of think about, but if you look at some of the characteristics of salt, it kind of makes sense. Like salt, salt actually heals wounds. I mean, you look at it basically before modern medicine and I shared this a couple of years ago on stage at salt, but if you think about it, um, art has an opportunity to heal wounds. I mean I've met so many people who are burned and broken and, bruised by the church, maybe a church leadership, maybe something the church did to them physically or emotionally or whatever, yeah, trust issues, whatever. And we really feel like creativity has this way of, like, speaking to people without people, if that makes sense. I mean, it's sort of absent of whatever that brokenness is. And it really can come in and heal. I mean, it, another has salt also has sort of the characteristic of being a, a preservative. And, you know, you, people use it to sort of take water out of, of objects so that, you know, Uh, fungus and and, uh, all the sort of bad chemicals don't sort of breed and and get contaminated. And I think that creativity and art and technology allow us to sort of tell this timeless story, the gospel message. It doesn't need to be changed, but it allows us to tell it in a timely manner, allows us to tell it in a relevant way to our culture. And I think the last thing I'd say is salt is a flavoring agent, um, and... And the truth of the matter is, it's not really a flavoring agent, like it's adding flavor that didn't exist, but if, you, if you've if you ever thought about making chocolate chip cookies, you add a pinch of salt to it, and you go, well, chocolate chip cookies don't taste salty. No, the, the salt actually helps enhance the flavor of chocolate and so I feel like those are the, the that's sort of the name, that's why we, we call it that, and that's really the role I think visuals play in our environment, it's the role I think creativity plays in the church, that our hope, our prayer, our desire, my just longing, Carl, is that we would become a community that would that would flavor the lives and the hearts and the environments that we're a part of, that we would um, preserve the gospel in a generation that has more creativity and more entertainment and more storytelling than ever before. And I think if nothing else, we'd potentially become a healing agent, that it would begin to become a vehicle for the gospel to change and heal and and bind up the brokenhearted and begin to transform communities, transform the world. I mean, that's, that's what we're stepping into. That's what creatives get an opportunity and invitation for.
2: Yeah, I think when you put it like that, it really gives meaning and purpose to what we do in the booth or in the control room yeah. or behind the computer is, uh, you know, it just gives meaning and purpose and just gives us a clear Uh, goal to shoot for or a way of expressing the heartbeat behind what we, you know, love to do. So that's so good. Yeah, if I
4: can say this, I think, I think as I meet with people who serve behind the booth or in the tech room, or maybe even the person that's doing all the communication stuff, social media design, one of the things I fear when I chat with them is that there's this sort of underlying belief that they think they're service providers to someone else's God vision. Hmm. And, That breaks my heart because I look at it and I go, no, no, no. As you read through the Bible, as you look at the role of creativity, you look at the gifts God gave you, I actually think you are a prophet. You are a disciple maker in progress. And when we begin to realize the power that the gifts we have, creativity has, storytelling, great design, technology, innovation, all that sort of stuff has, you begin to realize that you now get a chance to sort of be that thirst maker for christ i mean it's funny because that's actually another characteristic of salt like that salt makes people thirsty right and if we use creativity well we use technology well it should create a natural hunger for christ and we need to realize that it's through what god has instilled in us it's through what god has given each of us we're not just service providers for someone else's god vision we are service providers for the god vision at large
2: now the event is a is a three day event, but there's also some pre conference workshops. You call these labs, right? Tell me about these.
4: Yeah. So when it's funny because when Nick and and I and the team sort of started thinking about this year, one of the things we we know that it's really tough at conferences is how do you go into really intensive learning, right? And so Nick and and I specifically were kind of looking at what what do we need to sort of spend more time on that a one hour workshop may not be able to go in depth on. It. So we came up with three ideas. And those three ideas are basically pro-presenter. Um, I mean, you can't really train advanced pro-presenter stuff. I mean, you can kind of get through the basics in an hour, but you can't really go in depth. You can't really find new tricks. Uh, we talked about audio uh, and the fact that, you know, creating a great mix and dealing with compression and figuring out gain structure and all that sort of stuff. You just can't get to it in an hour. And then the last was sort of communications and digital strategy. I mean, can you really talk about how do you build a brand that has a digital strategy that is effective, and how do you use social media well, and, and how does SEO build into all that. So anyway, as we started looking at those three topics, we started asking the question, well, who are the best possible people we could ask to do these? So ProPresenter, we went to the guy who made it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of can't get any better than that, right? Um, so Brad Weston, the founder of ProPresenter, is going to be coming out and teaching it. I don't know if this is ever – been done before carl that you would get access to three hours three and a half hours of training from the guy who made it hmm. um it may be worth it just to sort of get to know him pretty well <laughs>
2: yeah
1: to
4: be honest with you um then of course for audio we called a longtime friend of Salt community uh, mike sussler and we asked him to bring on the head of house of worship technology training from yamaha and i can tell you it's not going to be a yamaha sales pitch because uh He's, he just has a heart for the church, and he can't sell you a Yamaha console himself, so that's kind of cool as well. But uh, they're just going to be coming and just sort of bringing some consoles and letting you get some hands-on training with a whole bunch of guys that have sort of a heartbeat to equip. And then the last is we asked Justin Wise on the communications front, mm-hmm. uh, founder of Think Digital, and he's just been a, a sort of leader of voice in this community as far as branding. So they are add-ons. Um, because of the sort of clout of the people that we're bringing. But they're only 79 bucks. And here's the cool part. There may be people listening that are like, I can't attend all three days. You actually can't attend a lab and not attend the conference. So um, you don't have to be going to both. I think they're great sort of add-ons if you're going to come out. Um, but, yeah, those are the labs. Now, yeah.
2: Nick, Nick, walk me through the workshops. So <laughs> but past the, the, the labs into the actual conference, there are workshops that you guys offer Lots of content and stuff there. Walk me through those.
5: Yeah, so every year, kind of a key part of what we've done at SALT is is workshops. So we've really tried to do some, you know, all kinds of different topics and all kinds of different things to cover um, just different topics and different um, different areas in terms of what we originally started with, which was just kind of... The visual, you know, visual worship and visual arts is what we kind of started with, but then we've kind of really grown uh, a lot from there, which is just really exciting. And so now we've gotten beyond just the visual aesthetic into all kinds of different areas. We still have classes you know, from video, communication, creative, but we've expanded over the years into a lot more of the creative things like uh, including audio filmmaking um, uh, stage design lighting design scenic elements environment all those kind of things so're really excited we have some really great different all kinds of different speakers this year uh, I mean even one of the ones that I'm really excited about uh, in particular is I'm actually narrating a panel for one of our workshops this year uh on lighting design. So we have like three really great lighting designers. A guy named- I mean like really great. <laughs> really great. Yeah. Like like Emmy Award winning. Yeah, that's what I say. We have a guy named Tony Franson, Emmy Award winning lighting designer. Yeah. Uh we've got a guy named Paul Green who works with uh this up and coming artist named Chris Tomlin. Yeah. And then right. <laughs> we've right. got We've got a, a really good friend of mine uh, named Christian Hahn, who he's designed uh, conferences like LeaderCast and Catalyst uh, Forward. Some really big designs. Some it's like things like that is really exciting. As we get to lean into some people who uh, are super knowledgeable, but they also really believe in this community. And so that's what's really great about these speakers. Is it's time to you know, lean into what they know and the things they know and then really get to hear from them and ask questions and engage them. So really excited this year across the board about just all of our different workshops.
2: Now tell me about the main sessions, too. You got, you got guys like Michael Jr. coming in, a little comedy, and then um, some, some stellar uh, speakers in the main sessions. Walk me through those a little bit.
5: Yeah, well, I already kind of told you about the panel that I'm really excited about. About just these, you know, bringing all these great minds together to have a, a really great discussion. But we have some other guys. Um, we have Whitney George from Church yeah. on the Move, Darren yeah. Whitehead, uh, Church of the City, and a longtime friend of Salt's, a guy named Nathan LaGrange out of Indy. And so we just, you know, some really great speakers to speak into, into this idea, really, this year of excellence. And we're really kind of breaking down what does excellence, you know, really mean for us as creative creatives and individuals in the church, you know, and around all the speakers. We have some, like I said earlier, uh, some really cool things planned from a technical and production standpoint, from an experience standpoint. So those are the little, the little secrets I can't share just yet, but I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited about what's coming this year.
4: Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, we, we're pretty big, Carl, on, like, mystery and surprise yeah. and yeah. people not the cat out of the bag early, but, Nick, you can probably tell a little bit of some of the stuff we've done in the past Yeah, to sort of give a sense of, like, some of the creativity you may experience. Yeah,
5: so, so one thing that's really big for me and for our team is we really um, think about our main sessions is – our main sessions are really for us directly tied to what we as salt are trying to do and what we're trying to believe. So our main session is not really just this room you walk into that's completely separate from what our mission with salt is. And so, you know, like for instance, in year one, one of probably the coolest moments we did is, is our set was actually a central piece of our story. And we really told the story of creation through the use of our set. And we kind of, we we built this set that we uh, was kind of leave out some details, but we kind of built this set, and the set was about this creation. It was created, and this set kind of uh, fell, was destroyed, but was rebuilt into uh, recreation. It was it was redeemed and recreated, and so we kind of told this. And what we said is the set was this beautiful thing we did this projection we used at the time a very new technology called led strip tape which was really kind of uh just kind of coming in its infancy about four years ago and we kind of put some of that to use but what was really cool is we did this moment with uh one of our speakers called me smith where we basically told this story that uh Everything that we kind of think means, you know, we, we put a lot of value into our sets and our designs and our aesthetic and the work we do, but that's not what really, that's not the point. The point is that basically all of this actually, you know, the the sets that we put so much time and effort into, that's not the point of what actually is meaningful to Um, what's not, what is not actually meaningful to God. It's you know, it's about our heart. It's about what our actual intent. And so what we basically did is we actually had uh, the speaker destroy the set on stage, and we built the set. The entire set was built on a kabuki system. And a kabuki is those things you see in, like, a concert where they press a button and a whole curtain drops at once. So we actually built the set, and you can see this on YouTube uh, on our salt channel. You can actually see how we built this set that actually – Destroyed, And, you know, what was really beautiful about is we destroyed the set, but then the next session we rebuilt the set into about a 15-foot-tall cross. And so that's what's really neat is that some of the things we've done. Last year we did a really neat thing where we um, our theme was unique. So we actually, for every single five main sessions, we built a completely different set, but we also had a completely different brand identity. So Sarah, our creative director, built these really built design, these really cool different brands, like an entire brand identity for every session. So when you walked in, the playlist music was different. The the graphics on screen were different. But we also loaded out and loaded in five completely different, I mean completely different sets that all had to do with different themes and different messages for every session.
2: Okay.
5: So we've... Really, like I said, intentionality is a really big thing for me and for what we believe is that everything has a purpose and everything has a meaning to what we're doing. And so we don't just try to do things for the sake of, you know, really cool or really this. It's, It's really there is an intentional point to what we believe and how it ties into our story and what we're actually trying to do.
2: Okay, so speaking of that, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about how to create those memorable experiences. Okay, so uh, Luke, you kind of walked us back to how SALT began. Nick, you've been involved in multiple uh, experiences. Kind of walk me through the, the beginning stages of an experience. Where, where do things start? On a napkin in a coffee shop sometimes? Or kind of walk me through that beginning stage and the first few steps to create an, an, an experience.
5: Yeah, we, you know, it kind of starts in a lot of places. With salt, Luke and I, um, you know, we really lean into each other for different things. Like Luke carries here a a lot of the vision of salt, and I try to help with a lot of how we actually conceptualize that or visualize some of those aesthetics and what those things actually physically translate into. And so a lot of times we work... We'll work together, and, you know, kind of coming into this year in the theme of excellence, we spent a bit of time last year just on a whiteboard just with, you know, writing the word excellence in front of us over and over and over and just kind of uh, thinking through it and playing with it, and, and we would just kind of look up Scripture about it, and we'd, we would do things like just look up the word excellence in a dictionary, look it up in a thesaurus, so you would just really kind of start from scratch. Like, what does this word really mean? What is it, what does the Bible say about it? What does society say about it? What do we think about it? What do our friends think about excellence? We just kind of really explore, you know, and um, we kind of, like, brought in ideas. Sarah, our creative director, had an idea um, actually years ago for the theme of excellence that we just wanted this idea of light and dark. Of light and shadows and so Luke and I just kind of threw that on the board is what does light mean about excellence you know when we start kind of unpacking so we kind of start from from really the beginning and kind of work out from there and then as we kind of just we try to find the core meaning what is the core belief what is the core meaning and then from there is when we start turning it into larger things that's when we start thinking who could best speak into these these elements or these things? Who are the breakouts that could help speak into this theme? What do we want to do in the main session that really reflects this theme? Um, so it's, it's, all, it's a bit of a process that we kind of start with, and we're always continually thinking about it or questioning it or uh, kind of moving. But, you know, it, I, it, usually for us it's always started on a whiteboard or a coffee shop, I think. One, one, the other, the above <laughs> There's typically always coffee involved. There's no question. <laughs> yeah, that, nice. if I'm involved, but I think it's the, the
4: thing I, the thing I'd add to that, Carl, is and what he's saying is, and I think this is anybody, anybody out there that's trying to create an experience. Whether it's the church trying to figure out what do they do for a set design for the next series, or what do they do for Christmas, or what do they do for Easter. We start with vision. We start with the why. Mm -hmm. What is it that ultimately we're trying to communicate? What is it we're ultimately trying to say? Um, And after we as a sort of total big-picture team get that, um, then we start throwing out ideas. And there is no bad idea in this stage. We don't ever – one of the reasons we use whiteboards is because we can kind of keep adding stuff to it and take a picture and then erase it all and then do it all again. But we don't sort of throw out an idea – and say, no, that would never work. Like we have to sort, Nick and I are really good about getting into a place of saying, and I'll say this too, we're a little bit particular about who we invite into that meeting. And I'd say that to any leader listening, be careful bringing the antagonist in your team. Mm. And it's okay to have the antagonist because every team needs one of those. Every team needs someone that's gonna say, well, that's not possible, but not in the initial meeting. In the initial meeting, let's just get it all out. Get dreaming big because new ideas are gonna spark new ideas. Inspiration is gonna breed more inspiration. And as we sort of throw all that at the at the wall, uh, we then sort of take some time and process. We intentionally build some margin, and then we come back and, and go through it and, and filter through it. And especially we bring in sort of other members of the team to start going, okay, we've thrown a ton of things out here. What out here is sticking? You know, all what do right. you look at and go, oh, that's kind of cool. And some of the statements that we've used over and over for this year came out of that meeting. I mean, the whole idea that excellence to God is way more about a posture of the heart than it is this pursuit of perfection. And that, that statement right there came from the whiteboard um, days. The whole concept, wow. as he said, of well, what if the logo is just a shadow? What if, what if we talked about the fact that you know, culture, wants, culture tries to tell you that the, plat, the place to be is on a platform in front of a spotlight? And what we're actually realizing is that as you look through Scripture, excellence is actually more about making a shadow in God's light. And and sort of these sorts of topics came because we just sort of threw things on a wall. And then, of course, yeah. you start a very long process, and Nick can kind of talk of how he takes that and starts manifesting to physical design. Yeah, the the one thing
5: I completely agree with Luke that we've talked about is when we try to brainstorm, and we have we between myself and Sarah, kind of have a core team of our our production and creative crew. We have you know lighting, audio, video, set designer, uh, a guy who does like art and pieces for our lobby. When we kind of get together with all them, we try to say that that no is not an answer. Like a lot of us will think. This is, how, this is how I would execute something, or this is how I would do something, or I, we can't do that because, or we can't afford that because. And, you know, we, we just try to go down on paper and just throw out ideas. Like, what does this idea look like? Because Maybe this idea we can't afford, but maybe it can inspire us into something that we can actually do. And maybe it inspires someone else to go, hey, I have an idea. That's a great idea. So that's really we try to think without kind of boundaries and that's where we start then to refine into okay, now we really like this idea. How could we actually make that attainable? How could we actually do something like that? So that's that's a big piece of how we dream and like Luke's saying and kinda of I already said is is we really then try to translate that physically, like the this light and shadows white on dark you're going to see a lot of that in our identity this year at Sculpt and how we played out. And you're going to see that in the main room and how we just try to say, what is, what is, we spend a lot of time saying, what does excellence physically look like? Like, you know, how do you, how do you make excellence into a thing? And so we, we just spend a lot of time leaning into what these things, what they really mean and what that really looks like for us.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times I think the bad ideas turn into good ideas or, you know, um, it could be bad initially, but that leads to another thought that leads to another thought that leads to the great idea. Um, Do you all find that as well?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing I would say is you can't you can't be afraid to fail. You actually have to be, you have to expect to fail when you're going through the idea phase because okay. I think so often we go, well, that's not possible or that's a bad idea because right. it's, you know, like, as Nick said, it's a bad idea because that's going to cost too much. or that's a bad idea because it's going to take too much time. And I think that when we start putting barriers on these ideas at first, then we're actually thwarting our creative potential because I think creativity doesn't happen in a world of abundant resources. I actually think creativity is most existent in a world with very clear boundaries and so when you throw that big idea that good idea how hey, we want to have a spaceship fly through the auditorium <coughs> uh and you're like that's a bad idea for numerous reasons something can explode we don't have a rigging system that's going to take too much time we don't have the ability to control gravity no put it on the wall and then later when you go know that actually as we've processed this as we've sat on it the spaceship flying through the auditorium is the best way to communicate our story, <laughs> communicate our mission, communicate our mission. And then you're going to kind of go, okay, then now we have to figure out how do we make this okay idea, a great idea, and remove all those barriers we once had. Yeah. And you, 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 But the problem is I think sometimes, and, and this is where I was saying you got to be careful about who you invite into these meetings, but sometimes you can get too black and white about an idea I think ideas are never black and white. Uh, I think they're always gray, and I think you always have an opportunity to sort of refine it. Um, and sometimes we just want to sort of throw them in buckets. I-, I have a sort of internal process that I've used, and that is, you know, you you store the norm, you trash the rest, and you execute best. And what I mean by that is like, don't ever throw away ideas that just that aren't yeah. helpful. Like ideas are always recyclable. I mean, there's been ideas Nick has had. Uh, from a production, and his team has has come up with for year two that we said, hey, we want to hold those, and so we're executing some of those this year. Um, yeah. uh, what's funny is a story that we don't talk too much about, Carl, is you're also going to have sometimes where you need to over curate ideas. You need to actually have more ideas than you actually can possibly execute. And so last, you know, Nick talked about last year five sessions, five main themes, five main sessions, or five main set ideas. Um, one of the things we don 't talk about is that one of those set ideas got built, was prepared, and on site we actually yeah. sort of with the prompting of the Holy Spirit, felt like it was too much, and so we never showed it. It was a whole bunch of stained glass imagery panels that were going to be like larger in life and create this very sort of ancient yeah. um, traditional environment and we cut it on site after they were built after they were and that 's okay because our team doesn't ever go, well, we built it. We have to use it. No. right. You, right. you can't get stuck to the sort of we've done it, so we have, to, you know, we, we have to use it. And that's probably something Nick's learned over the years in some of the clients he's worked with, like Taylor Swift and Mumford & Sons and Hillsong, is that just because you did something doesn't mean you have to use it. Um, you have to use the elements that are best to tell the story. And one of the things we see a lot with churches is just because you got a snow machine for Christmas doesn't mean you have to use it on every song. Or just because you have environmental projection doesn't mean it needs to be used every week. Uh, How do we use these as accents in order to make very powerful sort of storytelling moments?
2: Nick, can you piggyback off of that when when it comes to working with uh, other clients that you've worked with? What are some. I, either ideas that they've come up with that they've killed, or or maybe uh, great ideas from those environments that you think we should implement in church world. Is there anything like that that you can bring us?
5: Yeah. So something that kind of came to mind that I actually was talking about yesterday. Uh, a kind of saying we have at at my the company that I own is we try the worlds that we work in in church. Uh, in concerts and environments is what I call it's a it's a one a one to many interaction. And the way I draw this for people is I draw one, a colon sign, and an infinity sign. And I basically am saying that it's a stage trying to engage an audience of people. And in today's world what we're really trying to aim for and what people really want is they want a one to one interaction. And I draw that as a one colon one. And this is kind of a visual, How what we talk about at our companies. How do we give a, somebody attending a one-to-many experience, sitting in the audience at a church, sitting at a concert, how do we give them a one-to-one interaction where they feel that they are a part of the show, they feel that they're a part of the message, they feel that they're a part of what's going on? Because that's a lot of what people there's a lot of value in that these days. You know, this is one thing that concerts have really honed in on. This is what the Taylor Swift, the, uh, you know, the the Katy Perry, whoever's have honed in on is they really focus on their experience and their experiences all the way through their show. They make people feel that, that they are getting almost a one-on-one interaction in, in a football stadium, (laughs) you know? And so it's, it's, that's what's been really interesting to me is watching you know people who come to a concert and they just they buy the T-shirt they wear the little light up wristband they sing all the songs you know they really get just engulfed in this environment and what they are doing though is they're crafting these experiences and these moments and. They're basically doing these things on stage to just create these super memorable, engaging moments. And that's, for me, what has always stuck is that even in a football stadium, she can get on stage and create these just artistic, intentional moments that people remember, that they take pictures of, that they go home remembering. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the same thing that always has been in my mind is the – who the artist is, who the stage is, that, you know, that aside, the, the point is the message. And it always comes down and always comes back to me of what is the message we're saying and how does creativity help us better tell that message in a memorable way that makes that one-to-one impression on people? How do we use the art? How do we use technology to help people have that interaction. And in our case, it's how do we have people have an interaction with God that is meaningful and impactful, that wasn't distracting, that wasn't uh, taking them away, making them think about the technology, but it's bringing them closer. And so that's that's what has kind of always pulled out of my mind from having worked with these concerts or from these different clients is it comes back to intentionality and the message of what you're actually trying to do ultimately.
2: And I think the three of us really have a, a passion to see that in church world a lot, that Christians a lot of times just are really bad at telling the greatest story in the world, and, uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's our passion to really help them do that. Luke, do you have any thoughts on uh, maybe this and where creativity is going? You mentioned this a little bit earlier.
4: Well, I think you know what Nick's talking about. I think we're seeing in the church world, you know, the fact that people want a one-on-one. I think you're seeing that communities, the mega church, big Willow Creek, seven thousand feet auditoriums aren't being built anymore. People are wanting more regional sort of connectivity, and and campus model is sort of really blown up. That churches are trying to kind of grow organic. I was even on the phone yesterday with a church here in town. Uh, he's actually going to be on the panel, one of the panels at Salt on st- internet streaming, and we were talking about. How did Internet Streaming come about? And he's like, well, it was very organic. We had this sort of community of people that wanted to create an expression of our church in their neighborhood virtually so that they would feel more welcome to come and be a part of it. They didn't want to drive 20 minutes to church. So I'm like, that's so funny that, you know, we don't want to drive 20 minutes to church, but we'll drive an hour to work. Um, yeah. And, you know, how, how is technology, how is creativity going to begin to bear, break down those walls? What Nick's talking about in the entertainment world is this sort of breaking down of this invisible barrier between the stage and the fan. And I think that the church has been really good and really forward-thinking on never having a sort of barrier, but how do you make that even more personable? How do you make it so that, um, and I think it's, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but I think creativity and art has a way to speak in a very intimate language. And I think that that intimacy allows us to connect with God on a one-on-one basis like nothing the entertainment industry can ever do. Uh, to use a phrase that Alex Seeley, one of the keynotes from last year at Salt, said is, you know, yes, Apple builds products and, and does creativity way better than anyone. Hollywood makes better, tells better stories than the church technically is telling. But we have what the world doesn't have. We have the presence of God. We have that one thing that has an opportunity to change lives. And that is intimate. It is the most personal sort of thing you could ever invite people into. And I think art and an environment, atmosphere, and has an opportunity to make that sort of more intimate. I, I think you know we talked about this last time. We were on I was on the podcast, Carl, about environmental projection. But I mean, even using projection and projection mapping and creating these sort of immersive atmospheres has an opportunity to break down the barrier that we're not just here to watch someone worship. We're not just here to hear someone teach we are here to be a community and worship collectively out of that.
2: All right, guys, so wrap this up for me. What is, uh, you know, how do we create uh, memorable live experiences and how do we create um, just moments that people can remember in church world? Any parting thoughts?
5: Yeah. Summarizing it for me is really examining the core of, the message is what it always comes back to is, you know, we, we know the overall message. It's, it's to share the gospel, but more specifically, you know, what are we trying to say in that moment? What are we trying to say this Sunday? What are we trying to say this series? You know, what is the overarching point of what we're trying to say? And then really just breaking that down into what that really means to your audience. Um, you know, also telling the story intentionally. How do you tell it using, you know, using art, but using it in a way that helps tell a story, pushes the story forward? Um, and something, you know, was was one of our kind of key themes last year Is, is was unique. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that um, we don't need to be comparing, you know. And that's one thing I think we really need to keep in mind as a whole is – um, you know, it's, it's a friend of mine in New York, a longtime college friend of mine, told me last week on the phone, just to, talking about business even, he said, um, competition pushes us forward, but comparing to others is toxic. And he, uh, you know, I think it really summed it up well in my mind, just even with the churches, we don't need to be saying, I wish I could be them, I wish I had this, I wish we had this really great new thing, or I wish we had more light, you know, that is that what really helps us tell the story? You know, maybe for some people it does, maybe for others it doesn't, but I think one thing we need to just remember is that we're all unique, and we are all called to to who we are, to where we are, to the churches that we're at, to the bodies of people we interact with and work with. And so I think that's one thing to keep in mind when we always tell our story, is you know, what, what works for the people around us? What works for the audience around us? Because for some people, it isn't high technology. You know, it isn't big production. It's a very intentional, well-told story. You know, so I think that's just one thing to keep in mind is, is how do we tell the story uh, in a unique perspective to tell it with excellence, you know, to the communities
2: around us. Uh, Luke, what do you think, man? Any parting thoughts?
4: Yeah, I think I think the only thing I would add to that I think that was great. I think I would just say let's not put our hope in technology. Let's yeah. put our hope in Jesus. Yeah. And I think too often as a church um we we believe that technology or gear or gadgets or better tools is this sort of, you know, magic potion that we add to our services and more people become believers. No. And when we put our hope in the wrong thing, we're we're virtually just creating idols out of them. And I just would encourage, and we have to remind ourselves this at Salt, that um, the the goal is not to sort of wow people and razzle and dazzle them and send them out going, man, I need to do more. The hope is to craft an environment that 100% focus is helping people connect with God in a more deep, intimate level. And when that's your hope, when that's what you're putting your hope in, when your prayer life is more centered around, Lord, would you allow people to connect with, with you? Would you help us get out of the way and let you do what you do? And, and when you're sort of focused as a team is way more about allowing technology to become this transparent vehicle versus people going, God, give me more resources. God, I need more equipment. God, I need more people. I, need, I think sometimes I'd wonder, like, what is it we're really placing our hope in? Are we hoping that that projector is going to save lives? Are we hoping that that switcher is going to change things? Are we, are we hoping that Internet streaming is going to grow our church and, and, and I don't know, I just wonder, you know, how many people are, are becoming better disciples, how many people are becoming better followers of Christ through our gifts and our calling, rather than how many people are we attracting?
2: And I think you guys are really onto to something uh, this year, especially with your theme, and that to have that as our heart is people meeting Jesus, growing in their faith journey, and that's what we are creating experiences for, but also to be really excellent at craft and creating our experience and whatever the piece is, and be excellent at that. Uh, because sometimes the details um, are, are what's going to uh, influence people and also not distract people from mm-hmm. seeing Jesus and experiencing him. Do you all have yeah. any thoughts there?
4: I think too often we allow the sort of um, love of, of craft become a distraction or a steal uh, something that yeah. could steal our worship yeah and and that's that's trying to be perfect that's that pursuit of perfect that we were, uh, mentioned earlier like i believe the culture tells us everything has to be buttoned up it has to be ship shape awesome mm-hmm. it has to not have flaws and we have to sort of bust it to and and you can only do that by getting the best gear and having the latest trend you mean better than everybody else it starts breeding comparison it starts breeding you know every sort of thing else and it begins to sort of instill this fear of, well, what if I'm not enough? But when your posture, or when your 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 sort of perspective of excellence is really a posture of worship, a full surrender to God, when you just say, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I can with what You've given me, and I'm gonna believe that that is more than enough, that You have already equipped me with more than enough that I can do to be excellent culture. Um, that's when we we make our focus the right thing, and we're putting the first the right things first.
2: Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Give us one uh, quick uh, plug for for Salt. How can we get tickets? How can we get involved in a couple of weeks?
4: Yeah, go to saltnashfield.com. Uh, all the conference details are going to be there. Uh, you can get vision and speakers, and you can see all the workshop classes we're doing. I mean, uh, a fun teacher we're going to have this year, as he mentioned, some of the lighting is uh, Trip Lee, who's not only just a pastor but part of Lecrae's uh, record company and, and just speaking about creative excellence. I mean, he's Nick has talked about so many Henry and Alex Seeley and uh, Jeff Sandstrom in front of house for Chris Tomlin and North Point and all that. Anyway, tons of people go check that out um, and yeah, uh, follow us on Facebook. That's probably the best place to see all sorts of videos. Uh, you check us out on YouTube, all that. But
2: awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. Yeah,
0: thanks, Carl. To network with other church media professionals and get free resources for your production team, join the Church Media Facebook group today. More church media podcast moments away.
1: Contrary to popular belief, visual worship isn't new. From Michelangelo and Donatello decorating 15th century cathedrals creating breathtaking works of art, to the early adopters of stained glass, illuminating their sanctuaries with radiant colors, the church has been worshiping visually for centuries. But even that wasn't the beginning. The first mention of visual worship can be traced all the way back to 1200 BC. That's when God gave Moses explicit detail about how worship should look. You see, visual worship isn't new. But visual worship feels new because the tools used today weren't available to Michelangelo or Moses. Rapid innovation has made storytelling both powerful and a little bit confusing. What if there was a place to learn about new tips and tools? What if there was a gathering of artists exploring visual worship? What if there was a conference that discussed visuals in the church? Introducing Salt Nashville, the Visual Worship Conference. Space is limited.
0: Don't miss out. The Church Media Podcast, essentials for executing your Sunday worship service. Here is Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, the team at Salt is offering a special
2: promo code, good until October the 7th, where you can receive $30 off your conference ticket. Go to saltnashville.com and type my name, Carl, C-A-R-L, as a promo code at checkout. Again, go to saltnashville.com and use my name, Carl, C-A-R-L, as a discount code at checkout to receive $30 off your conference ticket. Hurry, this offer is only good through Friday, October the 7th. Well, that is a wrap for us this week. For complete show notes, transcripts, and more, visit 1230media.com forward slash 057 as in episode number 57. Also, this week we've placed a couple of videos and all the information that you need to get plugged into the community at Salt Nashville. So be sure to check that out. You can also visit 1230media.com forward slash podcast for all archive episodes of the show. If you missed last week's episode, where I shared my interview with Steven Brewster. Be sure to check that out. Incredible insight into leading creative teams, 1230media.com forward slash podcast. Next week on the show, I'll be giving you five tips for using stage display in ProPresenter. I wrote a blog post on this last year and month after month on our site. This article is viewed and shared hundreds of times. It's one of our most popular blog posts ever, so I thought I would expand it and share some tips and tricks for using stage, display, and ProPresenter. Don't miss that. Some really practical information that you can implement even next Sunday. So looking forward to sharing that content with you. This week's episode of the show has been sponsored by Salt Nashville. Be sure to check out all the details about the conference, who's speaking, schedules, and more at saltnashville.com. Big shout out to my friend David Michael Hyde for his producing skills this week. David is a composer and producer for film and digital media. Visit David at davidmichaelhyde.com for help with your audio needs. And also take a minute today to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Share the love, will you? We will surely appreciate it. And as always, thank you for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some amazing experiences this Sunday. I'll
0: catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast.
1: Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. For show notes, transcripts, and more free church media resources for your
0: team, visit 1230media.com. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.